Welcome to Uniquely Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners share their unique stories to inspire our listeners. Welcome back to Uniquely Small Biz by Selective Insurance, a podcast for small business owners to share their inspiring stories. I'm Carolyn McArdle, and we're looking forward to bringing you another wonderful conversation with small business owners who are as unique as their ventures. Today, I'm excited to welcome the owner of Authentic Grain, Brandon Work. As a fourth-generation artisan, Brandon is dedicated to the art and craft of fine woodworking. And from countertops and shelves to one-of-a-kind heirlooms, Brandon's approach to every project is to view it as a unique opportunity to create the one-of-a-kind piece that his customers are looking for, which is what makes Brandon so unique himself. So sit back and get ready for another thoughtful episode of Uniquely Small Biz, brought to you by Selective Insurance. So Brandon, tell us how you got your start in woodworking and what is the backstory of Authentic Grain? It would date back to when I was early formidable years, like 10, 11, 12 is probably when I was originally captivated by it. My grandfather, my dad's dad, was a craftsman woodworker, had a setup in his garage, and he lived in Tennessee. We would go visit them two or three times a year. And whenever we would go visit, I wasn't allowed to do anything but I would go and just hang out in his shop with him. And so I think that's where the seed was probably planted. I bought a condo in Central Phoenix in 2012, and it needed a bunch of work on it. I was bartending at the time, and I went and got prices on all this stuff. And then I was like, this can't be that hard. And that was wrong. <laughs> I had a feeling. there's just so, oh my goodness. Yeah. There's just so much stuff inside of it that you just don't yeah. know. But I still did it. And when I started doing that, I loved it. Huh. How did you learn though? How did you just do it? A lot of YouTube. Ah. At first, like before I even thought about a company and I'm like just trying to figure out how to make like a side table for myself, I just would hop on YouTube and watch videos. So as I'm going through this process of kind of acquiring tools, I realize I live in a condo. I don't have anywhere to put these tools. So I kind of have to hold on that. But I've realized in through that process, I love doing this. Yes, right now it's a hobby, but I like doing this more than I like bartending. If I'm not learning, if I'm not able to challenge myself and step out and put myself on a new venture, I get bored. And so that's when I had the, I was like, I should start a company. I have no idea what that looks like, but I mean, I got nothing to lose. I feel like you had an Oprah aha moment in that moment. You're like, this is a pivotal moment in my life. You may not have realized it at the time, but that was a life changer for you that moment. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I never even thought about it in that context until you just said that. And I don't know what that is. What creates that moment that is super vivid that 10 years later, I'm telling you about it. You know what I'm saying? No, it's true. I mean, I have the same questions. Like why are some messages so strong? I mean, that was strong enough to change your life. Do you feel like well, I have so many questions. Do you feel like, first of all, what you do now is a nod to your grandfather? 
A hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Because had I not been around him, we're willing to step out as long as we have, even if it's an inkling of confidence. I think I could do that. You have to have a little bit of that. Because if, like for me, if I said, oh, I want to host a podcast, I know I couldn't do that. I couldn't use a skill saw either. Right. So we are <laughs> yeah, all blessed like you know with your the lane. different skill sets. Yeah. Exactly. For yeah. sure. And so 100% is a nod to him. And that's been really cool to see what it's meant to, it's the side effects of it. So my dad and his sister were both adopted and they were very close with their dad, both of them. I remember him when I was real young, like they'd drive across the country to visit us. And the first thing he'd do when he'd get out of their car is he would get down and play with me and my sister. Oh. Yeah, like such a great man. This is a nod to your dad in a way too then, because it was his dad, right? It was his dad, yep. Yeah, so it's a kind of a nod to both of them. Your dad must be so proud of you. Yeah, he is, especially with the season that I've kind of stepped into now with the business, because at first it's, you're almost looked at as like, oh, that's cute. You're trying to start your own business, so it's, and it happens to every small business owner. At first, you feel like this is going to be easy because everybody's supporting the business and you have to have that. And it's crucial for a business, I think, because it extends your runway and it allows you to fail because you get to learn what that process looks like and if you're even good at it and what you have to learn still. And I think that's crucial because it does develop that confidence in you. Being that you were a bartender and you do woodworking. Have you built a bar? Yeah. So the most surreal moment that I've had, and this happened like a month and a half ago, was we got hired to do the build out for the new Buck and Rider at Epicenter in Gilbert. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, My friend's aunt lives in Gilbert. Yeah. Okay. And we did their mill work and then we did both their bar tops And when I was at Olive, Buck and Ryder is really one of the only competitors of Olive and Ivy. So it was just this super cool moment because a couple of the bartenders there that got hired into that place, I used to bartend with. And now I'm going in there installing their bar tops and their training as bartenders. So it's just Talk about full circle. Oh, yeah. That's the only thought that I kept having like when I was installing it. And it's just because you don't know what is going to happen when you first start something because you don't know if the market's going to accept it. You don't know if you'll be able to make enough money to support yourself. And then you don't know what direction it's going to go in. Like You can plan things out. That's super important to plan things out, to set a direction for yourself. And then life happens. And then you find out, oh, I'm not going to be making that at all. And so planning is crucial. And then you have to be able to pivot and learn new things and be okay with failing over and over and over and over and over again. And it's super hard and you don't understand why. And then as you go through the process, you realize like, it's so cliche but you understand this too. When you start a business, you're never finished. And it's not about where you think the destination is. It's about who you become along the way. Everybody's heard that. 
But as you do it more and more, this has literally fundamentally changed me and who I am as a man, as a son, as a brother, as an uncle, as a business owner, everything. And you're really tight with your family. So how has that dynamic inspired you as a business owner along the way? That has to have played into it. Huge, huge. I hit the jackpot with my family. My parents and my individual relationship with both of them and my baby sister, they've been crucial. And this is how incredible my mother is. Early on, I started it working out of my garage. Six months in, I get a cease and desist letter from the city of Chandler. And I was like, what? I was making noise and it was bugging one of my neighbors. So I had to stop. So I had to go find a shop to work out of. And then I land a job for candle chemistry and I sold the job and then realized I have a month and a half to do that. Now, now that's not an issue at all. Yeah. But back then when you were first starting, you have a contract. I have a contract. I have a job. A hundred percent. And it was my first time that I had a contract, a job that had a deadline that was like, if I don't hit this deadline, it's not like it's for somebody's home that yes, you want to hit those deadlines, but if you don't, it's going to really affect them. Mm -hmm. It's your reputation. And if I don't hit that deadline now, I'm affecting their sales Mm -hmm. and when they can open. And boy, that's powerful in a lot of ways. Stressful. Yeah. And so you feel that pressure. So I'm talking to my parents about this. My mother came to the shop and helped me every day for a month straight. Wow. A 58-year-old woman who's never been in a workshop before, who doesn't know what she's doing, but is just like, just tell me what you need and I'll do my best. What'd you have her do? Oh man. She, at the end, she knew, she knew how to work on the jointer which I don't know if you know what that is. Yes, yeah. that's crazy. She, yeah, it was nuts. She was comfortable on my planer, but primarily she was sanding stuff, helping me with glue ups and organizing my shop. And she didn't come for like two hours. She would go with me and meet me there at 7.30 a.m. And she would stay till at least four o'clock. Wow. Yeah. So I just. That's incredible. If I talk about it too long, it'll make me because it's just. It's like choking me up. I mean, that's that is above and beyond not just your mom, but a human being to do that for somebody. But for your mom to do that, 58 years old and to go out there and. Yeah. (laughs) And do that for you, that physical work. Oh, and it was physical. Oh, man. She believed in you. She yeah, And they've been. My mom's very vocal. My dad's more of the like silent type. So I'll get the nods from him in other ways. But when I finish that buck and rider job, I've tried to be really good about celebrating when a job finishes so that this doesn't become a turn and burn type thing. Yeah. You want to celebrate your victories. For sure. For sure. And I was terrible about that early on because I just, I knew it wasn't good where I wanted to be at. And so it was like the thought of, well, why would I celebrate this? Like, it's not worth celebrating. It's not worth taking my family's time to come celebrate something that's what I viewed as mediocre. 
it was personal to you, so you may feel, I'm guessing, a little selfish asking somebody to celebrate your victory. But actually, what was probably happening is they were equally as proud of you as you were excited about what you had done. For sure. When you got the designation or the confirmation of your LLC designation, what was that moment? Because that is such a big moment where it's like, I'm a business owner now. Yeah. What did that feel like as a small business owner? I remember my dad was with me and I opened it up and I just sat it down on the table and I just sat and stared at it because it was like, okay, (laughs) this is happening. This is real now. You dream about things and a lot of times, again, life happens and then you forget about it or something else takes over and then it just can't happen. And so to finally have that moment where you're like, I'm actually pursuing something that I'm terrified to pursue, but I know that whatever you believe in, you just get this feeling inside of you that this is the direction and the path that I'm supposed to go down. And wherever it leads me, I'm here for it. Yeah, it's sort of like you surrender a little bit. Like something inside of me is saying, do this. You need to do this. And you don't know what it is. It's kind of like we talked about earlier. You don't know what's guiding that, but you just know that there is something in your gut that says, I need to be doing this. And you trust it. So back to your original question, it was a moment that I am forever grateful for because I was able to share it with my dad. And obviously this is, there's a theme here. Like I'm, I'm actually really close with my parents. What makes Authentic Grain unique from other woodworking businesses? How do you separate yourselves? The end product, and I'll go further into that. The end product, the services that we're able to offer, meaning the services we're able to offer and the services that we're able to connect our clients with because of some of the relationships I've built, because a huge thing for clients who want quite a bit of work done, and then you get in their home and you realize, oh, you want this and you want all this other stuff. If you can say to them, I can help you get all this other stuff organized because I'm going to connect you with Devin from DNR Design who does full home remodels. I'm going to connect you with this guy who can do all the plumbing. This guy can do all the electrical work. It's a huge benefit to the client because then they don't have to worry about, do I have the right people? And honestly, I think it's an industry where you get a lot of guys who are older, jaded, rude. Tired. And tired. Yeah. And just don't care. The client will tell them they have a timeline and the guy's like, basically, I don't care about your timeline. So if you want to work with me, do it. If not, I don't care. That is the worst feeling as the consumer when someone comes out and that's the attitude. It's such a turnoff and it's, I don't know if scary is the right word, but there's nothing that makes me want to do business less with someone who doesn't appear to care. And they're going to be in my home or my business if I'm a business owner. And I know you're there every day, not wanting to be there basically. How do you think my confidence is going to be in the job you're going to do? Yeah, where you resent me because I'm hiring you and giving you money. 
That's a weird reason to resent somebody. But if you come into my business or my home and I think you're genuinely happy to be there and you like what you do and you're a nice guy, I am going to refer you to every single person I know because I like you and I want you to succeed. And it's so funny how an attitude can make or break somebody on both sides of it. Yes. Yes. I was able to also see the dichotomy of that because what I didn't talk about was, so it was me for a long time, just me. And I knew what I could control was my consistency. I can show up every day. I might not know what I'm doing every day. I might not get it right, but I know I can show up. And that served me really well. But I hit a point where when COVID hit, there was that three-week period where nobody knew what was happening. Like right when everything kind of went on lockdown. It was so scary. Yeah. 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 And then I thought I was done. When your phone is ringing and you're getting messages all the time, everything was on the up and up. And now it's flattened and is gone. But the blessing in that moment was at least I don't have families that are reliant on me at this point to have their husband or wife be employed by me so that they can pay their bills. It was just me. Makes it a little easier, but still scary for you because you're single point of failure. Right. For sure. Well, let's talk about your projects and your ideas. Like, where do you get your inspiration for your designs and for your projects? Like, I should say your design ideas. Like, how do you know what to do? Is it in talking to the client and asking them questions about what they're looking for? Or do you come in and have a vision? Like, where does it come from? So I'll go do the consult, gather as much information as they're willing to give me. And details are the name of the game in this. If you get a few details wrong, that can impact the entire thing. And then all of a sudden it goes from an install to a overhaul <laughs> of the whole project. That's bad for everybody. Terrible for everybody. And as the business owner, you're sitting there going, you don't get it as a client because this is going to cost me time and money. And then you learn they don't care about that and they shouldn't care about that because they hired you to do a job and they trust you can do it. So then you're an inconvenience for them, which is just a nightmare. So I've just learned to be wildly detail oriented and ask questions that people are like, why do you need to know that? I promise you'll see. I promise. How do you guys market? We run ads. On, we stopped running ads on Facebook, but it's a lot of word of mouth. Now being in with Buck and Rider and a couple other companies where, that we do commercial work for has helped a lot just to have work in the background all the time. But we do a lot. We only market now on Google, on Google local services and Bing. Ah, smart yeah. and affordable. Yeah, it's not bad at all. You have done, I would imagine, a lot of projects. Is there one that you've done that's your favorite or that it really stands out? Would it be the bar that it's full circle or is there something else you've done that stands out? Yes, the bar for sure, because of a conversation that I ended up having with the owner of Buck and Rider that just meant so much to me as a business owner, a creative, and somebody who takes your pride in their work. But hands down, the project that will always mean the most was the job that saved the company. I was in the commercial space, but I was down to basically nothing. And this woman messaged me on Facebook. I called her. And by that afternoon, I was in her house 
doing a consult. And at this time, the biggest job I had sold was maybe 5,500 bucks. Like I didn't even know that the contracts that we're signing today to remodel the Sandra Day O'Connor courthouse in downtown Phoenix. I'm guessing a little more than 5,500. Yeah. (laughs) It's the biggest contract we've signed to date and it's incredible. So I'm in her home doing this consult and within 36 hours of her first calling to when she gives me a check for 13 or $14,000, it was because the job sold, I think for like 23 grand. And I remember sending that invoice and going, there's no way, there's no way. And I will forever have a kinship with her. She still follows me. She still texts me every now and then. She is incredible. And she saved the company because I didn't have anything at that point. And then it was a purple heart countertop. No way. How cool. Yeah. So it's actually purple. The wood is naturally purple. Wow. Yeah. So it was a very eclectic piece that had inlays in it and it was huge and incredible. But yeah, so that would be. I could see why that that's memorable for you for so like you said, so many reasons. What's next for you? What are you thinking? Because you're definitely obviously a small business, but you're successful. You know what you're doing. You're a great guy. You're excellent at networking. So when you look at the future of 5, 10, 20 years, where do you see yourself? Full home remodels. And this isn't the only reason, but that's if you want to make real money doing this, that's the space you have to step into. You know where I could see you? Full disclosure, I could see you doing one of those home reno TV shows. That's so interesting you say that. Some of my regulars at all have talked about wanting to get me connected to like an HGTV or something like that to do something like that. And you have the personality, you have the look, you have the brains, you have the passion. Why not? Yeah, why not? It was awesome talking to you. This was great. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. So happy for you. Thank you so much. And your family. Thanks for being on, Brandon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. This was awesome. Joining me now to talk all about the insurance considerations that any small business owner who's involved in custom craft work should be thinking about is Adam Snoke, the West Region Territory Manager at Selective Insurance. Adam, welcome to the show. So Brandon mentioned that he started Authentic Grain out of his house. So from an insurance standpoint, what are the different exposures that a business might face working out of their home versus from a designated commercial space? So the first thing you want to remember, you know, when it comes to running a home-based business is your homeowner's policy or your standard personal lines homeowner's policy does not provide coverage for business operations. So for instance, a lot of people have businesses that are their side businesses, you know, they do it as a hobby, but they make a little bit of money, you know, say you're making tables or you're making chairs out of your home. You have another career elsewhere and through your homeowner's policy, even if you're selling them for a nominal amount of money, anything that happens business really, like someone falls off the chair, they're injured, any property that you have that's set aside for your business, that would be excluded. If you simply have a homeowner's policy and say you have a fire in your wood shop, there wouldn't be coverage for that. Similarly with liability coverage, same thing as I mentioned, if somebody falls off a chair, one of your products causes someone to be injured, your homeowner's policy is not going to provide coverage for that. 
Good to know. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are plenty of people who are listening to this that are just realizing for the first time that there is a difference between home insurance and business insurance at your home. You can't be crafty and think that because I'm doing this business out of my home, my homeowner's insurance is going to cover everything. There's definitely a difference. And you certainly don't want to get caught when it's too late, right? Where an accident happens. So that's important. A homeowner's policy is designed to provide protection for personal liability, for personal exposures, whereas a, as a business policy is designed to protect the exposures of a business operation. They're different forms written completely differently that cover completely different exposures. While we're on the subject of business protection, as Authentic Grain, you know, continues to grow and takes on higher value contracts, as Brandon was alluding to, what is some advice that you give to the Brandons of the world to make sure that their businesses are protected? So you, you look at a lot of small businesses, whether they're a manufacturing risk or even a contracting risk, you look at like what their key pieces to their operation. And oftentimes it comes down to their equipment, a large paving contractor, it's their paving equipment, you know, and in Brandon's case, it's the machines that he uses to make the products that he makes, you know, that is the key to his livelihood. So it's imperative that, you know, not just from a liability perspective, but from keeping his clients, it's imperative that he remains operational. So with the thought in mind that the equipment is his livelihood, I, I look at it like that's his greatest exposure as, as a business. But in the insurance world, particularly with manufacturing, we ask about redundancies. We ask about contingency plans, particularly for stuff that is specialized and stuff that's difficult to replace. But then from an insurance perspective, number one, he wants to have scheduled equipment coverage and ideally with replacement cost coverage. And what that means is he has a piece of equipment that is four years old. We are going to depreciate that piece of equipment. And so there's a little bit of a delta there between the value of the equipment that he had versus the replacement cost of what it's going to be to, to get a replacement piece of equipment. And then also, and just as important, ensuring the equipment will provide damage. So say as a fire, equipment burns, burns up, it's no, no longer usable. So that will provide coverage for replacing the equipment, but then also having business income coverage with extra expense. So what that does is the business income coverage will provide protection in the event that he loses income from not having access to that, that equipment due to a covered loss. So it's imperative that you're ensuring both the equipment and the potential loss of income. One of my favorite parts of the conversation that I had with Brandon was his excitement when he talked about receiving his LLC designation and how special it was to share that with his dad. I thought that was a really neat moment for him. That was really great. You could feel his excitement kind of resonate through the conversation that this was like his moment that like I have made it as a business owner. You know, this is what I have worked for. And it was funny because I was driving home last night from the office and I was listening to this and I was like, how unique that would be. I've always worked for you know, somebody else's company. Like sit there and like, look at that. And like, this is my business. I created this. This is the result of my hard work. This is the result of my efforts, my ambition, my foresight. A nice nod to his family too, because he grew up watching his grandfather work and just making his parents so proud and how he talked about how his mom stepped forward and helped him out. And I just thought that was really neat. That had to be a moment, like you said, where you go to the mailbox and this small piece of mail turns into this huge piece of mail. It's so real at that point. It's like such a nice nod to so many different aspects of his life and a new chapter for him. And he seems to be doing extremely well to the point of when we're talking referrals, because there's a lot of networking that's going on in his business right now. And he was talking a little bit about referring his customers to other services of, of part of what makes his business stand out from others. So when it comes to insurance, like the risks and the considerations and liabilities, does a business need anything special if they're sending referrals? For something simply as referring a client, then from an insurance perspective, no. There's no coverage that's going to protect you from sending a referral. 
But I would say from a business sense, you know, obviously it's important that you know the people and the, and the quality of their work that you're referring your clients to because they're your clients and you want to make sure you're putting them in the right hands. So that would certainly be important. But from an insurance perspective, no, there's really not an exposure there. It's almost like a clean cut, right? It's a handoff and, you're, and you know that person's reputable because hopefully you've worked with them and you feel confident sort of handing this person off to someone else, but they are not your liability at that point. Now, to take it a step further, you had asked them like, you know, Brandon, like, where, where do you want to go? And you know, complete home remodels is one thing that you mentioned. And so where it gets a little bit different is when you're no longer referring or when the referral becomes you collect payment for additional trades, and then you utilize people to do the work. So, i.e. subcontractors. And that's a little bit different from an insurance perspective that there's a little bit of a pivot there. So say Brandon would start doing larger jobs that are outside of just you know the, the woodworking that, that he does. For any of these other trades, a couple of things you want to make sure you know, that he's doing. You know, number one, you need to make sure you got a policy that provides coverage for subcontracted work. Number two, you need to keep track of the amount of money that you're paying to subcontractors. So say, you know, you collect $100,000 for a job, you know, part of it's your woodworking work, part of what we use the plumbing example, part of it's plumbing. You pay the subcontractor $10,000 to fix the plumbing that needs fixed. That needs to be tracked because at the end of the year, that's what the insurance company uses to evaluate the exposure that they had for those subcontracts. And that's how that line item is rated on the policy. And now into the things that are most important, not that the, the first two weren't, but number one is verification that these subcontractors have their own insurance. If you do not ensure that the subcontractors you're hiring have their own insurance, what happens is if there is a loss that is going to come to you and th there was a plumbing operation that was performed, at the end of the year, if there's not separate insurance in place for those subcontractors, when the insurance company audits your policy, they're going to charge the plumbing rate versus the subcontracted rate because they have a plumbing exposure. And the reason that is, is because you don't have anywhere to go with the contractual risk transfer. So number four, and something that is critically important, is having a strong subcontractor agreement. For any small business owners, that's something that you can have drafted by you know, any attorney that you work with. I would certainly recommend that every business owner has at least a, an attorney that they have a relationship with, because for drafting contracts, not just taking a contract off of the internet, because oftentimes they're not applicable to the situation at, at hand. So a couple hundred bucks saves you a lot of headaches. Furthermore, there's some insurance companies like Selective that we have utilized our in-house counsel to develop a subcontractor agreement that we are comfortable with. And we provide that to any of our policyholders. We encourage them to use it because we know it's a good contract because in the end, it is beneficial to us as an organization because the more of our contractors that are using our contracts, the better protected our contractors are. And from an insurance perspective, that is favorable. Yeah, makes total sense. If you had to give Brandon and other small business owners one piece of advice, since you're an expert in the contracting segment at Selective, what would that piece of advice be that you would give to them? I'll give you like a 1A and a 1B. Struggle to land on, on just one. But the first one would be take the time to educate yourself on insurance. Not that by any means you need to be an expert, but particularly for small businesses, you hope it never happens, but it could be a critical part of your business. And then the second piece is, as I mentioned, you don't have to be an expert. And that's where you utilize the subject matter experts for the more in-depth things that are needed. And that's where you know, I highly encourage that you, you work with a, a local independent agency that you feel comfortable with, that takes the time to understand your business, takes the time to answer your questions, takes the time to provide you guidance on things that you need to properly protect your business. Adam, thank you for your time today. You're fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
you so much for joining us for this episode of Uniquely Small Biz with the owner of Authentic Grain, Brandon Work, and Selective's Adam Snoke. For more information on the incredible work being done by Brandon or to book a consultation with him about your unique project, check out Authentic Grain's website at AuthenticGrain.com. I'm Carolyn McArdle, and this has been Uniquely Small Biz, presented by Selective Insurance.